welcome to The Space of the Waste, featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now, here is Melody Edmondson. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in today to the Variety Channel, to my show, The Space of the Waste. This is your host, Melody Edmondson. And if you have missed some shows or some episodes and want to listen to them, please go to www.voiceamerica.com and just put the space of the waste on the search bar. And if you need a visual to visually see your body shapes and various silhouettes, please go to the space of the waste at Pinterest and you will see your boards for various body shapes and waist lengths, and you know what they are. Short-waisted, long-waisted, or balance-waisted, circle, square, triangle, hourglass, rectangle, inverted triangle. So you will find all of your boards with all of your silhouettes. Today, we have a fabulous show planned with uh, Delicia, Deliciana. Deliciana from Beaufort, South Carolina. She's now a designer and she relocated to Los Angeles to become a superstar in iconic costume design. And I really have not seen anything so absolutely fabulous as what she designed. And luckily she has agreed to do a show today. She's very, very busy, but she's going to talk with us today. So welcome Deliciana. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about your backstory. I know you went to school uh, back down south, I think, and you opened opened a boutique there. Before you moved to L.A., you've done all kinds of things with TV, movies, Paris Fashion Week, etc. So will you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Listeners love to hear those. Well, I'm from Beaufort, South Carolina, And really early on, um, I don't know, my parents, I was the youngest of five kids. And so I would wear hand-me-downs. And my sisters are, you know, obviously were bigger than me. So my brother bought me like a kid's sewing machine when I was like eight or nine. And so when I had my hand-me-downs, I just started making alterations to the clothing. And then which eventually became uh, to reconstructing clothing and then finally making full garments by the time I was in high school. And that's kind of where my story started. That is fabulous. I just think that's amazing that you were so young and you were doing that. Thank you. Thank you. uh, And I see you were voted most creative student and received your bachelor's degree in marketing from South Carolina State University. And then is that when you opened your boutique and what was in your boutique? Yes. When I was a student at South Carolina State University, I opened a custom clothing boutique. So I made custom wedding gowns, prom dresses, special occasion pieces. Yeah. Starting at the age of like 20. So. Wow. You got started early. Uh, your uh, grandmother and your mother had a lot of influence on you. Um, how, how would you think they encouraged you? Um, my grandmother and my mom are, you know, um, very active in the church. So Sundays yeah. definitely for them was kind of a fashion show. You know, they wanted to wear their Sundays best. So I always saw them matching hats with jewelry and their clothes, match the shoes and the bag. So their, um, yeah, their love for fashion just kind of sparked my interest as well. So it's in your DNA. Yes, it's in your DNA. It sounds like. And you said you gained exactly. You gained wisdom, strength, and courage from them, uh, and you totally relocated. Do you have any relatives in Los Angeles, or did you just go Uh, to cold turkey? I went cold turkey. I had never um, visited California before. I just (sighs) found 
I was deciding whether or not I wanted to move to New York or California. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, the only thing that really made the decision for me was the winters. I believe the winter that I moved here, the winter prior moving to LA was really bad in New York. And I just felt Uh, like I probably, I had never lived in snow before, so I didn't think I could make it. Yeah, I think you so choose that was my much, factor. Yeah, much better weather in Los Angeles. You betcha. Ex- and I see exactly. uh, you, you which this is great because we have, uh, you know, over 150 countries on our show and that many languages. And you are and you do iconic costumes and have an international appeal. So that's another reason I thought you would be fabulous for our show because we have so many from so many different countries, and you Thank you have you. Uh, been uh, I see noted in magazines, TV, movies, Paris and Los Angeles and New York Fashion Week. Did you have collections in those um, shows, or how were yes, you? Yes, I made collections. Yes. Whenever I'm traveling and doing fashion weeks, I always try to keep that um, city in mind. So some of my references I pull from, you know, like when I did Paris, um, I did some berets, like just some Parisian um, influences, but but still my aesthetic. So, yes, yes, I've done L.A. Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, and I might be doing Milan pretty soon. All right. Well, in your, because you do so many customs, I'm sure you have to pay attention to people's body shapes and their waist length. I'm one of these people. I'm short-waisted with very long legs, and I was five seven and a half. I'm shrinking a little bit. My spines, I've got a spine problem. It's sliding, and so it looks like body shape and waist length have ever been very important to me throughout my life in selecting my clothes because I have a short waist. I only have about four, three and a half to four inches between where the bottom of my bra band down to where my waist is. And then I have high Uh hips. So right after my waist are my hips, the widest part of my body. Luckily I have broader shoulders, but still I'm never able to wear a belt or a seam at the waist because it just cuts me right in half. So I'm always having to, you know, kind of elongate the upper half of my body. I'm sure you have to deal with body shape a lot and waist length and proportions in designing um, custom gowns and outfits that you design these beautiful ensembles that I've seen almost look like 3D uh, work. (laughs) So do you have to get their body shape and their measurements and then uh, the costumes that you, the outfits that you make, they absolutely flatter the figures that I've seen. Thank you. Yeah. Attention to detail and fit is definitely um, the most important part of my job. So um, yeah, it's not like one take and then we get those perfect fits. I take measurements, we do fittings, um, Yeah, and plus I've been making patterns for quite some time now, so it's almost second Mm -hmm. nature to me. So, But it does take skill and and a lot of attention to detail to make, like you mentioned, your waist is shorter, but your hips are a little higher. Like those are things that I would have to do to manipulate the pattern to make sure that your custom garment fit perfectly. And that it flatters you, like, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Try to, like I was speaking to Joanne Wells, And she's a bridal designer, and she was saying she has a lot of different tricks to elongate that waist. And I said, oh, great, you know, (laughs) because that helps, you know, especially if you have really long legs, you know, to give that proportion, make your proportion a little better. Because what I discovered in my learning about all of this, I was also in fashion like 28 years in buying merchandising and doing product development for groups of stores in New York. And I found that, you know, these little specialty stores really know the customers and they know uh, the body shapes and the waist lengths of their women. And I know I had many Southern stores and they didn't even want me to start my uh, product except in a size 12 and then go up 
much higher than a 16 because a lot of the their clients, you know, were a 12 and up and they wanted uh, things that flattered short-waisted. And then they had some long-waisted women that couldn't even fit into the dresses, for instance, shirt-waist dresses and things they'd look fabulous in. They couldn't even wear because the waist weren't long enough. So I learned a lot there when I was younger about uh, body shape and waist length from these well-seasoned buyers, and particularly their merchandise managers who had been buyers and had been salespeople, then buyers, then merchandise managers. They really knew their clientele. And that yeah. taught me so much. And I realized I wasn't such a weirdo as I thought I was. Like I could never figure out why I couldn't wear these beautiful classic silhouettes like my mother would wear. And she wanted me to wear because she was very conservative. But thank goodness my grandma wasn't. And so <laughs> I kind of, she would crochet me things, you know, dresses that didn't have a waist that were kind of like chemises. And I, you know, it was, it was a learning experience for me too, from a young age. Uh, so how do you see yourself uh, when you're designing? What se separates you? Because it looks to me like you just are so creative. I mean, those uh, photos that you sent me, I mean, those are just gorgeous. How do you come up Thank with them? Thank you. How you do know, you I get most of my inspiration. Um, I usually have like a place or a music artist in mind or a okay. film. Like uh, most recently, I'm working on some... Um, on some sets and helping um, create like um, 3D actual monsters and aliens and futuristic things. So yes. I always keep like my inspiration in mind. My inspiration is usually music or music artist or an upcoming movie. So those are things I have in mind when I'm creating. Yes. And are you usually creating for a specific person I mean, it sounds stupid, when but I'm I mean, or sometimes they don't know who's going to play the part yet, or do they already know and tell you what this character is? Yeah, you know, sometimes they want me to develop the char character, so it just kind of depends on the client and what stage they're at in the development process, in the planning. Oh, so cool. sometimes they already have the character, they know what the character should wear, and then I come in with my expertise. And then sometimes um, the music artist is just like, do your thing. I want to, you know, this is the color I want or, yeah. So it, it, it yeah. ranges. It varies. Yeah. You probably go on what colors look good on them too, you know, because certain skin tones right. take to different colors better than others. That's something else I have been learning a lot about, a lot more about uh, now that I've had the show. But I, of course, I took that into consideration uh, doing product development because different parts of the country wanted different colors, you know, because their clients were different colorings. And I think uh, that that's important because some people have more green in their skin or more blue or more pink or more yellow. I have more yellow in mine and a lot of blondes have blue. So it's, you know, I wear a lot of autumn uh, you know, fall colors and a lot of blondes do the cooler colors like my mother or the brighter colors. So, and yours are so colorful. I love your color combinations and everything you do. <laughs> they looks, it looks fabulous. Well, tell us how you got to where you are today, your process. Like when you moved to LA, did you just start interviewing or did you just start trying to collect clients? I'm sorry, you went out. Can you repeat the question? Oh, uh, yes. When you moved to Los Angeles, did you interview for jobs or did you uh, just immediately try to find clients uh, that would appeal to what it is you love to do? Well, when I moved to L.A., I um, enrolled into um, a fashion design school. Okay. So I was going to school and also trying to find clients. So I was doing both. I was okay. a full-time student. I worked at a clothing store at the Beverly Center. And I also was marketing myself as an upcoming custom clothing designer and costume designer. 
So even in college, I was doing fashion shows and working with artists and, and some celebrities even. Oh, wow. Have you worked with a lot of celebrities? I'm sure our listeners would like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with some notable people, um, music artists like Nicki Minaj, um, Faith Evans, Lizzo, um, Denai Guerrera. She's an actress. She's been in The Walking Dead. She's one of the leading actresses in The Walking Dead. She's also a leading actress in... Um, the Black Panther Marvel series movie. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, quite a few people. You bet. What about a Halloween costume? Since we're uh, in October, are you uh, good at that? Is that something you'd like to do, Halloween? I actually um, don't get a lot of Halloween orders, but this year I'm assisting someone with FX designs. So we're doing like 3D um, costumes, like a little more on the scary side, but it's really fun to watch how it comes to life from silicone-based paint to mixing and making molds. And this is my first time actually making molds and actually building costumes, um, like uh, the actual like hands and body parts. So it's really interesting to learn and see and to watch it come to life. Absolutely. Now, what is it for FX? Is, well, the process is called FX design, oh, but okay. the person that I'm working with and working for, they've made uh, clothing for or clothing and costumes for um, a Netflix series called Stranger Things. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. That, yeah, yeah that's I, a really popular I'm a fan. One. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, and I love some of those series on, uh, I don't know which one that's on. I watch both on Netflix and on uh, Prime. But uh, I most recently was watching, this is just an aside, nothing to do what we're talking about, but it's this darling show from South Korea. And it is subtitles, but it just something hit me about it. It's the um, uh, Extraordinary attorney woo and she is a little girl with well she's not that young she's like 20 she's not 30 yet but she's an attorney but she has autism but she's a genius she's on more like ashburgers and she gets a job at a, a top attorney's office and her clothes are just i think they're so fantastic on her what she wears um in turn, I think the entire set is done very well, whoever does the clothes for that, because it's more the minimal, you know, and with the South Korean skin tones and their hair dark, I just love the colors that they use and how each individual in the cast kind of has a look, you know, that's different from another one. I mean, there's no way to right. really get anybody mixed up or anything. But it's a darling show. And I think a lot of these shows that work, uh, and there's a lot of things about that show I like. I mean, it's just an unusual uh, take on doing a movie, you know, uh, a series. Uh, their mm. intro and, you know, the writing is fantastic. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of an aside, but I do think that the clothing, the costumes, the clothing of anything that you see visually, to me, is very, very important. I mean, that can right. really draw you into something. You know, the more uh, they can get that character across or get a certain look going for certain a people in the show, I think it can draw you in a lot more, you know, and I, I guess it all depends on who your uh, demo group is, uh, whether it's, you know, the Z, Generation Z, or if it's older people or younger people or children or whatever, you really got to know what they like to look at, you know, what they're buying or what they want to imitate or get on TikTok with later because clothing is now, you know, of course, being sold so differently. Um, I'm getting all this information from LinkedIn because there's so many young executives on there informing everyone that clothing is being purchased in a very different way right now, particularly on Instagram and TikTok. 
influencers um, even more so. I mean, it's a huge industry. So I'm sure um, you know all about that because you're young, but I, <laughs> I think it's for someone like me that was in the business for 28 years already, it, and it just is so different. You know, it isn't store or advertising really driven. And now with the metaverse, oh my gosh, you know, unbelievable what they're doing there with avatars. And so it just goes on and on. Fashion is taking a, a real different turn right now. It's the beginning of something very, very different. And do, don't, yeah, do you, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how you buy your clothes, but it probably isn't the, the way your mom did. <laughs> no, it's definitely more online now. If you don't have an online presence, you're really missing out um, as far as business and especially clothing brands. It's yes. definitely fashion influencer, social media influencer based and driven. It's like your brand could be, you know, a no name today and it's on the right person that promotes it online and you're a huge household name, you know, tomorrow. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, it definitely has changed. Yes. And they're uh, working with people that can, the turnaround time is so much faster Back in my day, we'd have to, you know, if we're going to do something at a good price, we'd have to fly to Hong Kong and have it made. And then it, it was always six months to a year in advance that you would program what you're going to be buying and buying, you know, thousands and thousands, sometimes million units. And um, today, they see it today, they want it soon, you know, they don't want to wait six months and they don't want to see a fashion show and then not be able to buy it when they see it. So everything's changing. Um, tell me about uh, how you approach your color stories. Um, my color stories vary. Um, I always want to be different from what's out there. So I try to use fabrications and silhouettes that I have not seen before, which is really challenging now because of the fast fashion market. It's like you see it online, you post something today and someone is mass manufacturing it tomorrow, you know, yes. like they can redevelop something from a photo. So right. my, um, my approach is to basically just try to make more complicated silhouettes. And yes. try to use colors that haven't been used before and fabrications that aren't as likely to be used in, in mass production. And that's mm -hmm. really important when you're, when you're doing custom clothing because, of course, you pay a little more of a premium for custom. So sure. you don't want to see the exact garment that you purchased or that you had custom made, you know, being remanufactured. You know, that's why you go to a custom designer so you can have a one-of-a-kind piece. So it's definitely a little more challenging to make sure that you can't be duplicated. <laughs> yeah, I can see how it would be. Do you make a lot of your own patterns because of that and your own scale of prints and patterns? I know um, the plaid, that plaid one with the big bow that I loved and I actually used on your, your um, bio. I love that, but it seemed like it was customized because of the size of the plaid. Yeah, exactly. And that was also like a vinyl fabric and it was like triple layered so it could keep the shape. So it was also like a conventional fabric and construction. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have to do that a lot? You, you use a, uh... Uh, fabrics would you ever have to use wire or you know like lots of interfacing or uh, something like yeah. that to make to make the silhouettes stand out the way they do because some of yours look very structured and and uh, look like they've uh, got a lot of inner work going on as well it, not to mention the amazing effect on the outside I'm sure it took tremendous amount of work on the inside of the garment uh, to Absolutely. get it to look like that once it's on the body. And that's something our listeners don't understand. All of them don't, the ones that don't, that aren't 
fabulous seamstresses or even basic ones. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I am a, and then to be able to get into the garment uh, easy enough for your particularly your musicians and your actors and actresses, but musicians particularly who on stage change their clothes a lot, you know, and change their costumes to Nicki Minaj and some of these other people that you do, they have to get out of that and get into another one of yours. And it's got to be fairly easy to do, right? Do you have to use like heavy duty, special made YK zippers or... (laughs) Yes, I do use heavy duty zippers. Um, that's that always comes in hand. Even if it's a wedding dress, I make sure I use a very expensive zipper. Um, yeah, because when something is fitted or it will be, it will continue to be used like the zipper going up and down. Those kind of things wear out easily. And especially like for performance pieces, um, you're dancing, you're moving, you're pulling, you're also sweating in the garment. So it does get a little wet. So you want to make sure that you have high quality trims basically to make sure that works. But yeah, Yeah. even though a lot of the pieces are structural, I try to make sure that they aren't heavy, that you're still able to move and pose or dance if you are doing a dance routine. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I guess it would have to Mm -hmm. not be. Do you have to make a few of the same costume for the same person in case they do something to one of them? Sometimes I'll make duplicates for the dancers, like background dancers, but never Mm -hmm. duplicates of the the same thing for, well, not yet anyway. Yeah, (laughs) it just, I guess it depends on, uh, you know, it just seems like they work these musicians to death, the way they book them. And I don't see how their voices don't give out. You know, I just think it's in a way they overbook a lot of the people and I think they get exhausted, you know. Uh, oh, tell me again. I'm gonna, yeah, let's back up a little bit because I'm so interested in your fabrications and your patterns and prints. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Like ha- how you come up with the fabric? Do you have to sometimes help them design your fabrics, make your own fabrications, or do you just go and find what it is? Or do you work in conjunction with fabricators? Um, for, the, for the most part, um, I usually just, I have my fabric vendors, yes. so they have almost every fabric you can imagine. Now, I can work with textile vendors, and they can actually um, make fabrics if you want your name on it, or if you want like a repetitive print, or um, I don't know, like a, a photo of someone. Now, those are different vendors, and also a lot of times they have high minimums. So uh, uh, with custom clothing, it's usually like one piece. Mm-hmm. I don't really do. Um, yeah, so it hasn't been very often that I've worked with the textile designers, but mm-hmm. it's definitely capable. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely capable of making it happen. So yeah, I have I my fabric vendors that I work with. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to have to change that and do shorter runs for you because I think more and more is going custom. That's what I think. And now with 3D scanners, yeah. we're like, if I want you to make me something, we could do it by Zoom. You know, you could do a 3D scanner. You know, I could say, you know, these are my measurements. You could have them already with a 3D scanner. And then you could have to go get the fabric. And I, so I, th- I do think some of these textile vendors and fabric vendors that certainly the textile ones that you might want to make should do some short runs for you. I hope in the future they'll be able to, I understand the price will be higher, but it kind of comes with the territory. What about patterns? Do you find mostly what you need from the fabric vendors or do you sometimes design your own? Or is that the same problem with uh, having to have minimums? It's the same problem with the minimums. However, I do um, pleating and pin tucking. So a lot of times that can take a very bland fabric to the next level. Now it's textured. Now you have like ripples and um, pleats. And um, I can also make different shapes with the fabric. So even if it is just a plain fabric or a plain print, um, what I, how I manipulate the fabric is 
is usually more interesting than what print the fabric is. Ah, so, I like yeah, that. Yeah, so I have my ways yeah. of getting around not having to do the minimum. Yeah, good for you. Yes, and I think that's very interesting. You have some very interesting pleating and tucking and uh, angles, you know, sharper yeah. edges and angles that make them look more modern and more futuristic. Yeah. And like I've never seen before. You know, I don't see anything copied that you do. I just think it's all looks fresh and new. It's what I loved about Thank you. all those pictures. And uh, you're a beautiful girl and you make beautiful costumes. So <laughs> I think you. I'm so Sorry proud you. of you. I mean, I'm, I'm a small town girl myself. So anybody, and I'm actually from Missouri, uh, my birthplace. And I uh, think anybody that makes it, into the mainstream big business world like you have, um, not that it's mainstream, but the special iconic uh, costumes that you make in the big world of Hollywood and mu music land, <laughs> it is a rarity and you really have a gift. You really do. I mean, you're, the way you are able to see what it is you wanna make is, quite amazing. Uh, what would you like to talk about that I forgot to bring up? Um, I'd like to talk about uh, maybe some of my future endeavors. Um, okay. Yeah, so basically I just did one of my first um, movie premieres for, um, it was a movie called Albacore. So I'm definitely working more into um, getting into the film festivals and also becoming um, uh, a member of the California Costume Designers Guild. So those are some of the things that I'm working on right now. It's a pretty long process and a little bit of a pricey process. But yeah. once you're in, you're kind of like, you know, you're your world is a little more open to a lot more vendors, a lot more um movie producers and basically yeah. just getting in with, yeah. Yeah, I'll be praying for your up and coming movies and your name at the Academy Awards. And I'll say, I had her on my show. <laughs> Can't wait. That sounds so exciting. You have a huge road ahead. What else is coming up? Thank you. Thank you. More, more things of your future you'd like to do? Um, well, a little off from um, designing, but definitely trying to get a little more into real estate. But um, for sure, just working on um, upcoming fashion shows. Um, I'm continuing to get more clients. Um, I'm in communications with the Milan Fashion Week team right now. Oh. So hopefully next February, so February 2023, I'll be showcasing a full collection in Milan. Um, when I did Paris, that was a little more challenging because I decided to do it like two months before the actual show date. And just like the whole process was a little excruciating, but that's the beauty of this business. You know, sometimes you may not get the, the allotted time needed but you yes. still have to show your skills. You still have to like execute properly and make it come to life. Your vision comes to life. And yes, I'm really looking forward to some upcoming shows. That sounds exciting. And, and it's important, I think, when you're hot to take the opportunities because opportunities come up and you think, oh, there'll be more. But sometimes there's not. You know, I've seen this happen with uh people that I know, regardless of what they're in, whether it's dance, acting, singing, whatever, and a big opportunity comes and I think they, they need to take that, you know, even if it's not yeah. appropriate for the rest of their family, you know what I mean? Is that opportunities right. come and you got to take them, you know, I, myself included. And uh, I just think when something comes along, it's divine intervention. So <laughs> you kind of got to look at it. And I'm so glad you went ahead and did the Paris, even if you didn't have enough time. It's kind of like being on making the cut and having to do a collection yes. you know, really quickly or something. You know, you can do it if you 
put your mind to it. I know a lot, a lot of creative people, my mother included, she actually was, she, she planned somewhat ahead as far as fabric notion. My mother was very good at sewing and she used to also make all of my outfits for, you know, my formals or my homecomings or my proms and all of that. And she was a fashionista and she would, she knew my body so she could just sew without me being there and know if it would fit or not. But she was kind of, uh, when we were young, of course she had four kids. Uh, I know your mom had five, but my mom had four and uh, three girls and a boy. And so whenever she was doing uh, outfits for the three girls, sometimes she'd like to dress us alike, but we're all totally different sizes. She would wait a little bit to the last minute so that at the, like the night before we were being sewn into our garments, you know, <laughs> they were beautiful though. They were right, gorgeous. Exactly. But uh, yeah. she kind of worked where under pressure. And the other thing is, I think with the children, she worked at night. So when everybody was in bed, then she would go down in the basement and, you know, make as much noise as she wanted with her sewing machine just to kind of get things rolling, you know? And so it's different if right. you have a, a big family. And, uh, but I admire anyone that has the desire and the capability because thinking up an outfit is one thing, but oh, I'm really good at thinking up stuff, but I cannot do it myself. And then I have to pay someone else to do it. And I just did that with my jewelry line. I had all these ideas and sure enough, I go and have it all made. But unless you know how to do it yourself or you know how to find somebody who can execute it at the better price, you know, and I realized what I should have done now is I should have gotten a jewelry designer that to go into business with me and share equally all of the profits, you know, where they could even get more than me since they're making it. And I'm thinking it up. But anyway, it, it was a lesson for me, <laughs> a lesson in uh, it would be too expensive to retail them because they're, they're going to be my, for instance, my rings would have to be $8,000 because it cost me wow. almost 38 to 4,000 to make them because I did everything in gold, you know, and gold was at its high. <laughs> so I did white gold, uh, yellow gold and uh, rose gold. And even though I love oh, my, incredible. I love my jewelry, I ended up you know, making a hundred pieces, but then having to give, I gave them away and to my family, half of them. And then I kept half of them. But my husband says, you're not going to make money, Melody, unless you double your money because you want to pay for the shipping. And I don't know how many people on Etsy are going to want to pay even doubling your money, even at 8000 or $7,800 is a lot of money for something that's not a diamond, you know? Right. So I didn't end up selling them. And now if anybody wants one, I just tell them how much it's going to be and I'll have it made for them. And they have to wait three months while I have it made. So it's not anything like what I had planned on it being, but, that, but it's all my fault. I understand that now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, it was a, uh, it's good to meet someone that can think them up and also make things yourself. And I'm sure you have assistants, don't you, that help you? I do. It just depends on the project. Um, if I have, um, a, you know, a, an amount of time that I can actually get the project done on my own, I'll do it myself. But if not, then I'll hire contractors to help me complete the order. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, in the um, costume designing uh, do, do your, do you have notions, you know, like all of the beading and bugle beads or pearls or whatever you use, uh, chain link or all of the items that you might use for embellishment? Is that part of your costume design? And if so, how do you go about finding those? Yeah, well, um, most of the pieces that I find are, um, as far as trends. I have my go-to trim vendors, but there are also a lot of like wholesale 
um, trend vendors in downtown LA in the fashion district. Okay. So, yeah, so I can go there and find really unique trims and finishes um, for garments, which is usually my go-to place. And then I also have vendors that you can order from, um, yeah, but all throughout Southern California, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if there's okay. something custom, like I had, um, like you mentioned, your jewelry business, yeah. I was also um, going to start an, an earring line, and um, I had I hired a jeweler, and he made the mold for my logo and made some really beautiful earrings. So I'm just deciding when I'm going to release that collection Ooh, and how to wow. present it. Do yeah. you use uh, semi-precious stones or Swarovski? I know I'm not saying that right, but, you know, uh, simulated stones. Yeah. Well, the first collection is just um, gold and silver. So it's 14 karat gold and then sterling silver. Um, And it's just my logo. But moving forward, depending on how this release goes, um, I'll start, you know, looking more into stones and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And what is the name of your line going to be? Do you know yet? Just my name for now. Just your Deliciana. name. Deliciana. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. You have a lot of exciting things going on. Now, what about the real estate? You're just eyeing on that. You could probably make a lot of money in California in real estate and also make clothes for real estate agents because they really dress. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's definitely something I'm looking into. I want to invest in a duplex and just kind of start from there and then see where it goes. I yeah. I started the process a few years ago, and I was actually an escrow on a duplex. And yes. I don't know, I just kind of backed out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely something I want to revisit in the near future. Oh, and that's smart, because I have a friend who did that. Uh, she bought one of those old... Uh, early 18th century, uh, I think it's probably Victorian, uh, three-story, and she, it is a duplex. She turned it into a duplex. So the other half of it, she rents out and that pays her mortgage. So, you know, she's got a great deal there, my friend Thomasine, and she um, fixed it, you know, just fantastic with her antiques and modern and her mix. It looks fabulous, but there are, I think duplexes are a good way to go. Or you could also use half for your, for your working studio. You might be more interested in doing that, but it's, it's a good investment anyways. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, definitely something I know it isn't a small bit of change there in LA. It's like New York. You know? <laughs> yes, definitely not. Yes, it's a it, yeah. it's a good uh, it's a good thing to do though because you're going to get your money out of it no matter what. Yeah. That's for certain. Yeah. Well, what anything else you want to bring up? Because we're we're starting to run out of a little bit of time. We have a little more time left. I'm not getting any music in my ear or any notes from Andrew. So that means I don't have to shut up quite yet, but I'd like to hear from you. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I'd like to hear more about um, your jewelry line. How long were you designing? I'm interested because it's something that I am also trying to get into. Well, I'm, I'm rather maximalist. I'm not a minimalist. So, um, and I think that's why I was drawn to your designs because they're out there. You take risks and they are fabulous. And you take Thank lots you. of different kinds of risks. And I like that. And, and because you're so creative, I don't see anything copied or mimicked that you do. And I look at a lot of stuff. You know, I look at lots of things and have a lot of people emailing me wanting to be on my show. But I'm thinking, you know, this is a new show. I'm not even a year old and I want the best of the best. Or, you know, I really don't want to do it. And so anyway, I'm that's my thing. Now, on my jewelry for I don't know if you you can't see it. These viewers can't see it. But today I have on rose gold and I have a 
uh, and the rose gold being that kind of apricot. Uh, and it doesn't really have, it has a tad of pink, not not really, it's not amber and it's not pink, but it's not pure apricot either. The stones go perfect. I found the perfect topazes to fit into the coppery color of the rose gold. And then I wow. I bought large stones, you know, like uh, they're huge. They're like uh, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 millimeter. I mean, they're really, really big. And I, um, one person I talked to told me I should talk to male hip hoppers. <laughs> she did not see me going to Bergdorf Goodman with these. And of course I do, but she, but she didn't. But I use Danborites instead of diamonds. And Danborites have just about the exact same Mo's, the energy, the hardness, the coloring. It's all done exactly like diamonds. And it's got a weird wow. name called Dan. Danbarite because it was found in Danbury, Connecticut. That's where it was discovered. I wish they named it something different. But then <laughs> in, they did find more Danbarites in um, Mexico, and they named those, uh, they're pink. They're pink, and they're the only, it's like an Aurora, uh, Mexico, and I can send you where, and who I bought mine from, but there are hot fuchsia pink damberites, and then there are barely pink wow. damberites. But I'm not so in between. I like the clear white, or I like the fuchsia. You know, that's that's kind of the way I am. I don't like the halfway. But uh, anyway, on the ones that I have, I have a large rectangle with kind of a hexagon shape, and around the center stone, which is a rectangle quite large. I would say this one's about 25 millimeters. And around it, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 13 Danbarites in the white, white, which is what they call the clear. And they look like about uh, three fourths of a carat each. So that is circling this, you know? And it's on a mm -hmm. thicker band, a thicker band that does taper down a little thin right underneath your finger. And I wear that on my index finger. And then the one in the middle I have is a square. I have on a square, a rectangle, and an oval. And they vary a tiny bit in the color of the topaz, of the peachy colored topaz, apricot peach. And on the side of this one, all, all three that I have on today are set in rose gold. And on either side, I have a one carat uh, damborite on either side of this like 20 carat, uh, 20 millimeter, uh, I'm sorry, um, peachy colored topaz. Then on the, on the other finger, my jeweler talked me into doing none of the damborites, but just a large uh, 20, it's probably 32 millimeter oval topaz. And it's just set, uh, bevel set, okay? Bevel set, and it doesn't have stones around it, so it's planar. And it, it is probably the most saleable piece, you know, because it doesn't, it isn't all dolled up the way all my other things are. And the other items I've, I've made are uh, just taking the square or the oval or the rectangle and just putting it in a bezel set of gold. And then they can wear it on any kind of chain that they want. Usually the people that I have gifted with these, I put a chain and send it to them uh, on the chain that I select, which I like a thicker chain, you know, a larger more chunky chain so that it doesn't look formal. You know, I'm wanting it to work, put it on your jeans and a jacket or a black fantastic dress like that dress you have on today. 
Uh, yours probably isn't Chloe Kardashian's, but I had I have one of Chloe's that's pretty close to that. You probably have the designer one, but mine is from Chloe Kardashian, and my necklaces that I make that are bigger are crosses, and they're long and they have many many stones. They have usually the hot fuchsia, then the clear stone, and again the the sizes look like what I would say probably 10 carats, you know, not, or even wow. 20 they're huge. And there's a big tamborite in clear, and then there's fuchsia, and then there's clear, and then there's fuchsia, and there's crosses that I make. And I did teal. I also did uh, tourmaline in, and grand ditterite in, uh, in the, uh, stones because i think that bright teal color i just love it and you do it with the clear big stones and i've done rings like that as well and i've even done them with circular damberites around them you know in a circle with like a round stone in the center or an oval stone and then an oval circled with the damperites and i'll show you i'll send you pictures okay delisiana i'll send you some photos i'm happy yeah. to gift you one just for coming on my show i'd love to gift you with something and oh, you'll probably have that to, is too kind you'll Thank have to you. you can email me your ring sizes and uh i'll go through mine and see what i've got and you have to bear in mind, these have been worn by me, so I'm not so easy-handed. There might be a scratch or two, but that's what I have left. Oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and also the necklace. You know, I have a lot of single stone necklaces that, that are just great to wear with anything. I'm getting told that I have a minute to close, so I just want to okay. thank you so much, um, uh, and Deliciana, I want to thank you, and I want everyone to please find you. So do you have an email you want to share? Um, they can find me on my social media or on okay. my website. It's yeah. com, and you can link that, and you can find me, uh, my address, all my social media is linked to that. So and I want to tell you how to spell it. It's Deliciana, D-E-L-I-S-E. A-N-A dot com. Oh, so, great. Again, that's www.delisiana dot com. Thank you so much, Deliciana. We're so glad to have you on today. The iconic co costume you. designer and custom designer. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in. Love to talk to you another time. I have. They're telling me I Thanks have to so get off. So Thank you so much. And this is Melody Edmondson saying thank you for tuning in to the Space of the Ways, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to the Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time.